Coming up on the show, I'm a guest on NPR's Planet Money. Our next guest, Tim, we brought in in person because uh, I can see that. She's got some things to show you. Where I get some much needed dating advice from economist Tim Harford. You seem genuinely anxious about your market power in this dating scene in New York. You seem to think that you are actually not a scarce resource and you don't have the ability to make any demands. So he asks me to go online, meet some guys, and make the biggest demand I can imagine. I asked them to Skype with me. This is clearly like an economist's dream of what a date should be, like in theory. It's like super efficient. There's no chance of like anybody getting sort of like physically injured or and there's like, you know, you supposedly you'll know immediately like whether you want to continue and like you don't have to like leave your apartment. We'll find out if this works or ruins everything. I don't really feel like I'm any closer to you than I was when I saw a picture of you on my phone. Stay with us. My heart is beating. Beating like an clock. My heart is beating. You can hear it talk. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. I'm Andrea Salenzi. This is Why a Why, a show about dating. Not to be confused with dating advice. Because I'm really bad at dating. In fact, in this episode, we're going to get more personal than I've ever gotten on the show before. You will hear me go on three different Skype dates with different guys who I meet using the dating app Tinder. Hey. Hi. Oh. <laughs> Hold on a second. This is How so weird. Yeah, hey, it's your idea. <laughs> no, it's an economist idea, but it was my idea to take dating advice from an economist. Right. So <laughs> I kind of screwed this up first. No, so, what's up? <laughs> you went to Wesleyan, huh? One of these guys is great for me, but he makes me feel awkward, like I have a crush on a guy in my class. The other is straight up bad news, and I know it but I can't stop flirting. If we were in the same space, like we would be having drinks and, um, you know, there'd be the ability to show like physical um, interests, like. Like I would lean into the table. (laughs) Yeah, or like if you laugh, you would like touch my arm and stuff. Like that stuff's really important. Like that's, I don't know. (laughs) You think I'd touch your arm. (laughs) Maybe I would. Like I said, I'm bad at dating. Even though I spend a lot of time on dating apps, I never write back to you. Or if I do, I cancel at the last minute because I don't like that you're wearing a hat in one of your photos. Or I show up 30 minutes late wearing a jacket with a broken zipper that I'll have to pull off over my head like a sweater. I'll forget to ask questions about your work. I'll tell you stories that are just too personal order too many drinks, flirt shamelessly, and sleep with you on our first date. If there are any rules to dating, I'm going to break them. And when things don't work between us, I'll blame you. There'll be an explosive text message or a passive-aggressive email, and then I'll remove you from my Facebook friends. 
though I'm bad at dating, I know how to talk about dating. And I've given up any kind of shyness about this. That's why the radio show Planet Money recently reached out to me. They said, Andrea, we heard your show. You clearly need help. We want to set you up with an economist and give you a chance to ask him questions. In many ways, love seems to be totally divorced from economics. But then you realize, well, the stakes are high. This is something that matters to us. We're dealing with scarcity. I mean, if you're dating one person, at the very least, you don't have as much time to date another person. And you may well find that you can only date one person at a time. Tim Harford is the author of The Undercover Economist Strikes Back, and he's one of Planet Money's favorites. He used to work as an economist for Shell and the World Bank, and then he started doing what their show does, explanatory journalism. And he has a column in the Financial Times where his shtick is that he answers questions about all types of things using economics. It's simultaneously completely useless and irrelevant and somehow in some brilliant, hidden, genius way keeps producing insights that are not necessarily obvious from the normal way that we think about things. For my segment, Planet Money did this thing where they had people call in and ask them questions like this. I'm a senior in high school and I've never been on a date. Should I be worried about this? And he gave answers like this. So you've really missed the first 10% of your your possible uh, dating experience. And let's be honest, it's not the best 10%, is it? Now, let's hear our raw interview, courtesy of Planet Money. In the beginning, I am incredibly uncomfortable. I'm not used to how vulnerable you feel on the other side of the microphone. And even though I've been working in radio forever, I had a hard time even just getting the mic in the right position in front of my face. Okay, and just talk a little bit so our engineer can hear you. Um, This is Andrea squatting down. I'm going to improve this. This is a roving microphone. Yeah, it's it like, I think it likes you, Andrea. Oh, I can do anything I want here. Whoa, yeah. Okay, engineer, one, two, three. My name's Andrea. One, two, three. Manola, are you happy? I don't even know who's in She's happy. You can't hear Manola? No. No, okay. none of us can Where hear Manola. That's probably good. But we re- She's but only speaking to me. That's good. Yeah, that's fair enough. You can hear the so voices. Can you, can you say something a little bit more, Andrea? Sure. Um, my name is Andreas Lindsay. I had yogurt for breakfast. Excellent. Um, why don't you <coughs> in- introduce yourself to Tim? Well, why don't we bring her in okay, because this sure. may be a little bit... Um, our next guest, Tim, we brought in in person because uh, I- I she's, got see some, that. she's got some things to show you. Uh, introduce yourself, Andrea. My name is Andreas Lindsay, and I'm the host of a dating podcast called Why a Why. Hi, Andrea. Very nice to meet you. So what can I do for you? How can economics solve all these dating problems and love problems that you and your listeners have? Well, I'm not doing a dating podcast because I'm good at dating. <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you. That's okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not an economist because I'm good at economics. So, Well, first of all, I'm on a lot of dating apps. Like I have a whole page of my iPhone just devoted to these dating apps. And actually someone on Tinder got me to sign up for Hinge last night. So I just signed up for another. How many dating apps should I be on to find a match? So what worries me about the idea that you have so many is that it starts to get very difficult when you have too many to spend any amount of time on any one of these things. And 
that there's a, a tendency that we all have to uh, to sort of skim increasingly. Now, I think face to face, that's less of a problem. You walk into a bar and you see there might be 200 people there you might potentially want to date. And very, very quickly, you can see that 190 of them are of no interest whatsoever for various reasons. So you, you very quickly sort of zoom in. It's much harder on these apps to filter. So I would have thought that your fundamental problem was filtering. I would have thought your fundamental problem was not how can I get a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger pool. I mean, your, your question seems to me implies that you're, you're trying to find the perfect match because that only if you're trying to find the perfect match would you expand and have uh, you know one app and then a second app and a third app and a fourth app whereas if you're actually just trying to converge on good enough you probably want to focus but tell me I mean why would you what do you see in these apps well I think what I'm trying to optimize here is if I'm going to spend time you know I'm going to set aside a Thursday we're going to come up with the time we're going to find a place I'm going to get on the train I'm going to sit down for a drink and have to meet this person I want to make it worth my time. I want to make sure that I'm, I don't want to waste a Thursday. This is a Thursday I could be spending working on something that would have professional benefits or catching up with old friends, calling family members. Why would I spend it with a stranger having a miserable experience if I don't have to? So nobody wants to waste a Thursday. Absolutely. Time is scarce. So the question then is, do you feel that you are gaining uh, better matches from this wider range of apps? I'm just saying no more often. <laughs> it's really just improving my ability to say no. Yeah, because the scarce resource here is actually Thursday. The scarce resource here is not men. The scarce resource is Thursday. So maybe we should be focusing on that rather than just trying to maximize the sort of the number of potential partners out there. Um, there's a very interesting observation by the behavioral economist Dan Ariely that we, uh, we fall for a, a quantification fallacy here. So we, we're lo looking for these dating apps to match us up on some metric, right? That you have some shared interests or you've tagged some, you, you, you've said, oh, you're both interested in tennis or you're both interested in Woody Allen or you're both interested in beer or, or whatever. I mean, is this what the kids do these days? Is it still like that? Actually, that's one of my questions, is a lot of the apps have started saying, these are the number of mutual friends you have. And they use information from Facebook to determine that. And I've been trying to quantify how valuable are those mutual friends? Does, is it important that they've crossed paths with someone I've crossed paths with in my life? I, I suspect that that's a perfect algorithm for matching you up with the ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend who you can't stand, but they <laughs> you're not friends with them, but you have loads of mutual friends. I mean, doesn't isn't that the, the perfect way to just kind of make your life completely miserable? Well, here's what I've discovered is that Facebook friendship has devalued. So in the early days of Facebook, we picked very selectively. And I think now we're picking less selectively. So on Tinder, I matched with a guy and we had two mutual friends, and they are two of my favorite people on the planet. And I was like, why haven't they introduced me to this nice guy? He seems incredible. And then I went and actually asked the friends about him, and they said, oh, I just met him at a video shoot. He's kind of a creep. So Facebook friendship no longer means, I think you're good. So the, there's, the signal is not actually telling you what you need. Here's Ariely's uh, observation, and I think he has a point, that what you really need to be doing is um, finding out a way to have a date-like experience uh, before you have the date. Because the date-like experience is 
is what you really need. You don't need to look at a thousand guys online. What you need to do is have five almost dates to save on the actual date, which is the really scarce resource. So what you need to do is you need to have some app that lets you, say, look at paintings in the Metropolitan Museum together and talk about them, or watch a film together online and talk about the film online. And actually, you very quickly find out then whether there's a match or not. Um, because if I think about all of my partners, none of us actually had anything in common that a, that a computer would be able to identify. There's, no, there's nothing there. It's just that we actually hit it off when we met each other. So you're, you're looking for that ability to discover that. So, Andrew, do, does such an app exist it's now? It's called Chat Roulette. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Yeah. That just brings up someone, and all of a sudden you're in this awkward situation. Is there anything that can like simulate a date or at least a, a real conversation? Well, hypothetically, I could ask any guy, hey, before we decide to go to this bar in Williamsburg next Thursday, how about instead we Skype for... 15 minutes. And I think I would know what I need to know from that Skype conversation, but it's an ask that no one else is asking for. So no no one else... It would you, ask for a level commitment you're kind of not allowed to ask for from someone. It's, there's a race to the bottom here, is what you're saying. That, that, that all the other girls out there are willing to go to the bar in Williamsburg and, um, and just see how it goes. So you're being undercut, basically. I mean, you, welcome to the modern economy because everyone out there is being undercut by, by a cheaper offer. But, you know, I, I think that you should stick to this. And do you know why I think you should stick to this? Because my time is incredibly valuable and I am so busy. Yeah, you know that. But <laughs> here's the thing, because wouldn't it be interesting to find the guys who would actually accede to that request? This is actually, your, we've already discussed, you, there's no shortage of guys out there. There's lots and lots of guys out there. The question is trying to find the right one. And so you, you're effectively setting up what um, uh, Michael Spence, Nobel Prize winner in economics, would call a screen. So you're saying, all I want from you, I'm happy to date, all I want from you is 15 minutes on an internet connection to talk. And what conclusion do you draw from the 98% of men who say no? Well, they probably weren't worth the date anyway. So you're, you're winning already. You're, you're, you have this filter problem, and you're solving your own filter problem. So now, now you have this pool of guys who, even before you talk to them, you don't have to have the Skype conversation. You already find, hey, the guy agreed to a Skype conversation. We're already ahead. So I think that that, that filter is, is going to work for you. And I think you should, you should stick to that. I think that's great advice, but the, my only objection is that ambiguity is built into dating today. You're not supposed to ever even call it a date. I even read an article yesterday where a guy said, I found this amazing new tactic. When I ask a woman out, I say, can I take you on a date? Using the word date is powerful. So for me to say, I want to Skype with you is would feel like I'm saying, do you want to have children? It feels like that level of a commitment that I'd be asking someone for. Yeah, but it isn't, though, is it? No, I just want to see if you aren't going to creep me out. I don't want to sit down with you and have you talk for an hour about how at your meditation class last week, they let you play all of the instruments. So I think this is going to work for you. You need to stick with this. I have another idea for you to, to, to navigate through these, uh, these choppy waters. Uh, I think that you... You need to bear in mind the lessons of Toyota's manufacturing system. Oh, yes? So 
Toyota has this problem. Um, if you have one supplier, uh, we can call it marriage if you like, you have a single supplier, then if they let you down, uh, you've got nowhere to go. Um, so, but on the other hand, if you have, if you're just buying on the open market, the spot market, if you like, uh, the kind of market that gets advertised in the sort of postcards in phone booths, that kind of market, um, then there's no loyalty out there at all. And this is the no commitment world you've been complaining about, where no one's even willing to use the word date, no one's willing to spend 15 minutes on on Skype. You know, even even just mentioning a date is some, you know, it's the new engagement ring, right? <laughs> to, to use the word date is like the new rock. So um, that's the problem with that, with that uh, anyone's a potential cust customer world, anyone's a potential partner world. In that word, it sounds great. Yeah, you, I can buy my engine parts from wherever I want. But actually, nobody cares. Nobody values the relationship. No one's willing to invest in the relationship. No one's willing to do the R&D required. And so what Toyota found was that the perfect um, compromise was to have two or three, but often just two, major suppliers. And then if one of them slipped up, you could turn to the other one. You could use them to benchmark against each other, sort of keep them on their toes. But there was a commitment there from Toyota. Um, so what, we, what we're really saying is you need to dramatically narrow down the field. I'm not saying you need to get married at once, but you need to narrow down the field to a small number of guys who are willing to sort of spend a bit more time in this relationship. And, and you need to offer them the same thing. So it's, it's the Toyota way. The fear there is that if I'm only going to date guys who are interested in, if I'm going to expect a level of commitment to the gesture of dating from guys, I'm worried I'm going to narrow the pool too far. I'm worried that those are only the guys who who feel like that's the only way they can bring someone to their life is by like locking in with them. You seem genuinely anxious about your market power in this dating scene in New York. You seem to think that you are actually not a scarce resource and and you don't have you don't have the ability to to make any demands. That's what I'm hearing from you. No, women are so <laughs> I think that it just feels like a time where I know so many incredibly accomplished, brilliant women who are, have just so much going for them. And our standards for guys are just so dramatically <laughs> lower than that. Does he have a job? Can he, does he know how to spell no with a K sometimes? My standards are slipping. So it's hard to remember to bring them back up sometimes. You, you know what you're dealing with here? This is a structural imbalance in the dating economy. And a lot of people are worried that this is affecting the American economy as well. There's just that there are just certain kinds of people, often sort of middle income, middle skills, whose, whose jobs are being displaced by changes in technology or by globalization, that just don't really have anything to offer in the market out there anymore. And, and economists are really worried about what, we, what do we do with these people. And you sound exactly like this discussion. And I, I, I've identified the source of your problem. It's a New York problem. Uh, this is a problem for women in New York. And you would think, hey, it's 50-50. It's the, the world is half men and is half women. It turns out that's not true. Uh, it depends where you live. And there are imbalances in gender in different places. And it turns out women really like uh, living in big cities. And they, they probably have more to gain from living in big cities. You know, they're smarter, they're better educated, so they're, they're, they're willing to sort of make more sacrifices to live in the big cities. Men, uh, they also like living in big cities, but they just, they're not willing to pay the bills and so they move out somewhere else. So 
as a result of this, and this is a worldwide thing, but it's particularly noticeable in America, you've just, you are in structural oversupply. I don't, I don't really know any other phrase to describe it. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't, it only takes a few extra women uh, out there roaming the dating market, desperate, not even willing to insist on a Skype conversation, and they're going to ruin it for everybody. So your solution is to move to Alaska. I'm really sorry. I've heard good things about how easy it is to date in Alaska. Um, but no, I've lived in smaller cities. When I lived in Kansas City, Missouri, it was dire. I To the point where I knew every single guy on OkCupid and I would recognize them around Main Street. You would see a guy bike by and you'd be like, oh, he messaged me yesterday. <laughs> or you're on Tinder and you're swiping no on the guys and you run out of guys to swipe no on. Yeah, but at least you were in the instructional short supply. So they were willing to go the extra mile for you, even though you weren't remotely interested in them. That was Tim Harford, author of The Undercover Economist Strikes Back, with Robert Smith and Hannah Jaffe Walt from the NPR show Planet Money. And by the way, I assume you can you could use this on your I show. plan to. I want the I, I want love you to the take raw a, audio. I want you to take up his challenge. I think I will. I don't yeah, and the other thing the the wonderful thing about using Skype is that I could record it. <laughs> Always thinking like a radio professional. I decided to take Tim's advice. Skype seems like the perfect solution for me. There will always be guys I'm on the edge about when I'm doing online dating. Guys who have an obnoxious thin mustache. Guys who are writing a screenplay. Guys who do sketch comedy. And this is a way I can give them a chance without putting myself in an uncomfortable situation. A big part of dating is reducing the trauma. There are these small traumas and insults that accumulate in a decade plus of dating. And everyone has their way of dealing with these traumas. Either you harden your heart until it's safe again. You start an Excel spreadsheet and say it's about the numbers. Or maybe you can Skype. My first Skype date was with a guy who I already knew I wanted a real date with. He is incredibly handsome. I, I can't really describe him. So I'm going to have my friends Laura and Danny jump in here. We were hanging out, and I handed them my phone with his Tinder profile. Um, okay. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you guys like this one because he's my favorite right now. He, do, he does wear his lack of hair extremely yeah, well. Yeah, he's got a very, he's a C-section baby if I've ever seen one. <laughs> that guy was pulled out. His head's so head, horrible his, thing to No, say. that's a great thing to say because his head is so well shaped. It's a horrible thing to say. Why is that a horrible thing to say? When people get pulled out, like with forceps, certain radio personality. First compliment Laura ever gave me was you have a very symmetrical face. Did I? Yeah. And when it did felt I say like, that to you? On the first date? I th- on the first or second date, wow. you said, you know, you have a very symmetrical face. You do. That's like the highest form that's of like, compliment. It's, that's the kind of compliment you expect to get from like a late 19th century German phrenologist. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've never well back from who I am. 
I like this one. He's at like a gallery show. Yeah. Oh, he's strapping. Yeah, I want him to like, yeah, I would. He's a big, he's like, yeah, he's like a big, he's like a big guy, but not like, I'm not talking like heft, but he's got. Like if I broke my foot, he could carry me home. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. He could carry you home effortlessly. That might be the easiest means of travel. Yeah. Go to the next one. I like this. He's also at a party here. You know, I got a soft spot for this guy already. Uh, he puts a picture of himself blinking on his profile, which would be unacceptable except that it's at the end of of a series of four good photos. And then he puts one that's like, I'm, I'm human. I'm willing to admit I blink during photos sometimes. And also maybe giving like a little bit of a, pardon the pun, wink to the fact that putting photos of yourself on the internet for like yeah, a, a little dating bit of a... ad is a little ridiculous. Laura and Danny, can you tell they're a couple? We're going to hear all about them on a future show. When he answered my call, he was sitting in a kitchen with a blue collared shirt on. Hey. Hi. Oh. <laughs> Hold on a second. This is How so weird. Yeah, it's your idea. No, it's an economist idea, but it was my idea to take dating advice from an economist. Right. So yeah. I kind of screwed this up first. No, that's, hold on, it's been a while since I've used Skype. I'm trying to like get it all set up here. All yeah. right. So what's up? You went to Wesleyan, huh? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was 05. Um, so. Cool, I was 07. Uh, what's, yeah, did you do radio stuff at Wesleyan too? Yeah, um, I was involved in the campus radio station, and I, I did a little magazine for them uh, called WC oh, Magazine, cool. and Carolyn would do the covers. We talked about friend. college for a while, and then I asked where he lives. Great. So you're in, you're in Boreham Hill? I am, yeah. That's where I live. Um, <laughs> it's like a month and a half ago, um, my girlfriend and I, we broke up, and we'd been living together, and so... I'm going to stay in our apartment, but while she's finding an apartment, which is like a horrible process, I've been staying at a, at a friend has an extra bedroom. So I live in Broom Hill. I live there until like about, you know, the beginning of January, middle of December, and I'm going back in February 1st. So it's like sort of this like weird limbo, um, which has led to, I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's led to some wacky like Tinder experiences with like, it's just, it's been strange, but so. so you wait. Have you met anyone from Tinder before? I have. I've met. So I just joined like a couple of weeks ago, and I've met. I've been pretty like lazy about it. I don't know. It's just such a strange thing that like you get all these these things that like come in and you see people, and it's like I, I could say like hello, but I'm just gonna not deal with it. And then so I basically only talk to people for the most part that like contact me first, <laughs> really. Um, and so I've gone on a few dates, and this one huge mix up where. Um, to add like a layer to this story, the person I'm staying with right now is actually like an ex-girlfriend from a long, long time ago in college. And we're like, it's like not, we're like totally good friends now and it's not that type of thing. But I met somebody on Tinder who is like a mutual friend with this woman I'm staying with and they work in like the same field, like they're, they're, all, they're all filmmakers. And so I was messaging with her and, I, and, and we were talking and she said, oh, well, you have these you know, three people in common. How do you know that? I was like, oh, they're good friends from college. Um, but I didn't say like one of them is like my ex-girlfriend from college and I'm going to be living with her for like a month. Um, 
I just figured that was like, that's a lot to say, like, like typing. So I was like, I'll just deal with it later. Um, and then they ran into one another. And this woman from Tinder asked my friend, my ex-girlfriend, like, hey, do you know this guy, Mike? He said he's your friend. And my, my uh, ex-girlfriend was like, actually, like, well, we dated for two years in college. And he's moving in with me tomorrow night. Um, so that didn't, we ended up meeting like sort of like randomly at like a party. Um, and it was fun and, and it's just, it was funny, but it's, it's been, so that's basically all I've done with it really. It's just like get myself into like bad situations. <laughs> Wait, but in that, I feel like you were in the right in that situation because I mean, that's really just too much information for someone you don't know to get into. Right. I mean, it's I just, even... it would be bad judgment if you overshared like that. Right, like I feel like weird even saying this now, but just I figured it's like the way to, ex it's just a, a good explanation for where I'm living. Um, and it's a good story, possibly. So, um, but yeah, what about you? Have you, how, how is, how is Tinder for you? Like, what is your general impression of it? Um, I've, it's, it's just like there's almost no commitment to matching with, it's not like you match with someone and then you have to talk. So I have a lot of matches and then just yeah. no idea what to say to them. Or they, exactly. just, or they just say, like, sup. One guy yeah. actually started with, do you want to be friends with benefits? And it's like, <laughs> do you want to be my friend? What if that ever works? That's, Maybe he's... That is word for word what I asked him. That was my next reply. Like, I would hope that it has... Maybe it's worked once, and he's just like, oh, this is, like, I'm going to keep trying until, I, like, the second time it happens. But I really, I can't imagine that ever working. But, I mean, maybe if he's incredibly attractive or, like, has some, like, profile that's, like, sort of has its own stuff going on. But, yeah. Yeah, I also was watching a friend uh, who's a woman using Tinder. I was showing her it. And, and it was amazing, like, how many like how many matches she got. Like, every time she, like, swiped right, like, immediately it was like, this is a match. And I was like, that's not my experience at all. Here's one of those dating rules from lists of dating rules that I am breaking. Don't talk about online dating, and don't talk about ex-girlfriends. I've never really done that much online dating before, and like basically none before recently. It was all just with friends of friends or people I would meet, and that was always fine, and I and I like that. But I thought I'd try this. Um, but it's, it, you feel weird like doing it, like you feel like you're somehow dishonest in doing it, like because it's like oh, I just got out of a relationship, and everybody expects either like you're like a creep, like you're just kind of creepy about it or you're just like some sort of like rebound thing where you're trying to see as many people as possible. And I don't think that either of those are true, but it's like hard, to, like you feel bad about yourself for like, but like how much time, like, like do I just like do like a year of silence or something before like dating? And so it's just, it's been strange to sort of deal with that, but. I have two really close guy friends who are going through the same thing and they constantly are calling me for advice and also to kind of girl interpret. But it's, it's weird how there's this, like, I want to do a whole show about this, like, nice guy thing that happens where um, they just, they're, they're, like, paralyzed with fear that they don't want to accidentally hurt someone's feelings. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely, I mean, that's been a problem in the past, and I feel like I'm, like, finally beyond that now. And it's because, like, by, I mean, by being paralyzed with fear that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, you end up, I mean, you can do just as much harm to somebody. And it's just, like, I mean, there's that whole thing about sort of, like, yeah, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not a good mindset to have, like fake nice or just sort of nice out of self-protection because it's much easier to have somebody like you than to have somebody like hate you or be angry at you. So you just sort of avoid that for a while. Um, but yeah, Man, this is a great first Skype interview. 
<laughs> you think you're thinking of it as an interview? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to think of it. Like, how do you think about it? I don't know. I guess I was really hoping for more small talk. I hope I hoped that I would be like, so what was your major? Oh, what do you do on the weekend? Oh. I was hoping that we would we would we wouldn't go so deep. But I'm into that. Cause I, but I no, think... we can kind of like we can like take a step back and like sort of reset. <laughs> I wanted just, just really awkward small talk, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, are you a vegetarian, or you do eat meat? Um, I used to be a vegetarian for twelve years, um, and then I can't remember what changed. Oh, we started getting all these like. Local this is the moment that Hana at Planet Money loved. She liked that he was asking me questions and was willing to take my cues and play along with the whole thing. When I told guy number one this, he said. I'm glad I get bonus points for doing the normal everyday things that a human person does. Seems like some great inflation going on, but I'll take it. Wait, so um, I'm trying to think of a couple more questions that would be good for the radio sh show. You don't have to answer this if you want, because it's really personal. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's whatever you want. Like, it doesn't, really? You know, so. Um, so wait, so yeah, why... Yeah, I don't mind. Okay, so you're just coming out of a relationship. Like, why are you dating? What are you looking for? Um, I don't know. I think I'm just, it was a relatively long relationship. Um, it's like two years, um, just like one of the longest I've been in, you know, it's not sort of normal for me. Um, and it was great in a lot of ways, but you know, it wasn't right, um, for various reasons. But so I think I'm just, I don't know what I'm looking for. I, as like, as we were sort of working up to breaking up, I thought sort of I'd take a lot of time to be by myself, which is sort of, and I was excited for that, to just sort of like come home after work and like sort of just have this like sort of zone of time to write or to do whatever and just have it to myself. Um, and I think that I, I, I will also do that, but maybe it was just something about sort of um, temporarily moving out of my apartment that I felt like, I don't know, it just felt... Like, I should just start immediately, like, talking to people. Um, and I don't really know why I did that. And it's not sort of normal for me. Like, I'm not much more sort of, like, um, sort of not that active in terms of, like, actively seeking out dates, at least in, during my 20s. It was sort of, like, I would go out on a lot of dates and sort of see a lot of people, but, like, not, it would just sort of happen. Um, but also I just felt like, it seemed important, um, like an important experience to have in terms of like um, trying online dating and things. It's just because like, so many people I know have done it and it's just like so the norm now that it's felt like not, you know, not buying a smartphone or like not using the internet. Like I would just not understand like my fellow humans if I just continued to like only date people I met through friends. Um, but so yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think it's sort of like been a, like a, a sort of a, a burst of just sort of like setting up an online profile. Like I joined OkCupid a few days ago and like messaging people, but not really following through on things. And then like in a month or two or whenever, like I'll sort of have a better handle on like what I'm looking for. I don't know. It's strange. <laughs> I had a friend give me a really hard time yesterday for not giving meeting people in real life a chance and she almost felt like because I'm doing it online I'm not opening myself up like maybe I'm not going to parties or I'm not trying to meet people in normal ways that you meet people and I don't think that that's yeah. true I think I'm just adding I'm like bonus meeting people 
I'm just going after all the tools available. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with meeting people online. It's, I mean, it's, um, it's too, I mean, it's, it's like too new of an experience for me to even really think much about it. It just seems like this sort of strange thing that I'm doing. Um, but I don't know. How do you feel like, how do you feel like if, as you continue the show, like, how do you feel like it's going to impact like your dating life? Like, are you going to like, are you worried about sort of consciously trying to sort of seek out situations that would like maybe not be ideal in your ordinary life, but would make for a good story or... Yes, I am very worried about this. Please see all episodes with Randy, my future episode where I go on a date to see an astrologer, and the fact that I spent Valentine's Day at a White Castle. Here's the end of my answer. I guess I guess with someone like you who's a potential date off Skype, um, the issue is like making it clear that that my interest would be sincere and not related to the show. That that I actually like yeah, do you want to get to know people and have fun with them and whatever? And it isn't, some stuff doesn't belong on the radio. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. Like when I, when you first asked me whether I would sort of do this Skype interview with you, I was like, I mean, immediately I was like, sure, why not? Um, maybe just given my current mind state of like just trying new things. Um, but then after I said yes, I thought like, oh, I don't know, like, Maybe she's just doing this for the show. Maybe she isn't. Who knows, really? But then I realized, like, it didn't really matter to me, I guess. Um, just because I guess you never know what the other person's intention is when you're going on a date. Like, it could be they could want to they could want just to talk to somebody because they're lonely for an evening or they're like they want to get, you know, a couple of free drinks or they are really interested in you and are trying to sort of. Um, but like you can't I guess I just like you can't sort of go into a date like only going on dates where you sort of know what the other person's intention is like just because then you would never go on any dates so then I was like I don't really care um so I like how much you're saying the word date apparently there's this there was actually an article this week from a guy saying that he found this like revolutionary new way to meet women telling them it's a date I'm a big proponent of the word date I I guess I'm just maybe it's because I turned 30 this year or something but like the whole idea of like sort of meeting people at a party and just kind of like hanging out or just sort of like not sort of being upfront about what you're doing is fine. But like, I don't know. I don't really care that much anymore. Like I'm fine. Like I'm going on like, yeah, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't probably call these dates. So I don't know. Um, I feel like I owe you a drink. (laughs) Can I take you out in real life? Sure. Really? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd love to meet you. And, like, actually, like, I couldn't hear a lot of what you were saying. Um, so I was, like, kind of just, like, maybe like, not actually answering your questions. But. So we went on that date. I'll tell you how it went at the end of this episode. But for now, we have another date to go on. I'll have Laura and Danny describe this guy's Tinder profile. He looks a lot like someone I like very much. You know what? He looks like that guy. Uh, who's the name of the villain in Back to the Future? Biff. Biff. He looks. Uh, he looks like a very nice Biff. <laughs> Keep flipping. Oh, right. he looks like Gordon Ramsay in here. He does look like Gordon. I thought you thought Gordon Ramsay was a sociopath. He is a sociopath. Okay. He's got a tattoo. Like that picture. Oh, 
just noticed he wrote Bill Cosby is my spirit animal. Oh, I haven't looked at this. That's got weird racial undertones. And I don't think the man Bill Cosby would appreciate being compared to an animal. And certainly not a spirit animal. Red flag. No awareness of uh, racial issues. Yeah. Also, Bill Cosby's going to be on a network sitcom pretty soon. Yeah, all you? about like the the nuances of racial issues. I don't think that's yeah. a good idea. Well, here's another problem. The use of spirit animal. Like, I use it. I've started using it ironically due to its overuse. Or at least that's what I put the stamp on every time I use it. But um, this is a guy who's out of touch. He's wearing polka dots. Like, look at this. He's wearing That's a... That's fine. It's no, all no, 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 fine no. up to that. Polka dots is fine, but I'm talking about the collar. Like, this Mandarin collar. The Mandarin collar is a little weird. This guy is the most complicated to explain, but also, in a lot of ways, the least significant of the three dates. I don't want him to take over the show. I didn't realize this at the time, but I later confirmed that he has read every book on how to pick up women and how to influence people. He literally gave me a list of recommendations when I asked him about this. There is a move that I am always a sucker for, and it's when someone insults you and then compliments you and then asks you to do something for them. When I asked him to do the Skype date with me, I said we could Skype or we could get a drink later on, that this was just an experiment that I've been working on this month, and he instantly felt like I was trying to use him for my radio show and that my interest wasn't sincere. He compared me to another girl he met that same day, who was online dating after her boyfriend died, five days ago. He said, at least in her case, she was acting out of grief while what I was doing was asking him to be data on a spreadsheet and nothing more. I told him he was wrong, but maybe The Economist was right, and asking a guy to Skype was a way to reveal his true interest. We bickered for a while over text, and then he said the whole exchange was making him like me. So he gave me a Skype name, and we went straight from fighting to flirting. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you? You're the best sport in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Sure. I can't yeah. see myself. I like to. I like to have that window in the corner. I like. I like the um, picture though. There I am. Oh hi. <laughs> I never had so that. weird. What do you mean? You're the you're the professional. <laughs> this should be old school for you. Uh, so anyway, um, what are you up to today? <laughs> um, besides, dating. besides uh, yeah how uh, many of these do you have up today uh just you <laughs> okay um although i was i was like trying to tro- look for other people but it's just hard to find a match on tinder like i don't know because you don't know anything about anyone so you're just basing it off i don't even know what i'm basing it off I guess mutual friends, but like, what do mutual friends even mean? I think it's become really devalued over time. I think I'll just Facebook friend anyone now. Oh, okay. I don't have a radio show, so my Facebook friends are people I actually know. (laughs) This guy is so rude to me, and I am clearly not picking up on the signal. This is so embarrassing, but when I want to make someone like me, I turn up the giggle.
Uh, it's always uh, whenever I'm going through, whenever I'm trolling tender for hot sex. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. That was a, Has that worked out for you? That is a delayed response. Uh, no comments. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've met. I mean, everything I, anything I've done in the dating world has always been in the pursuit of a relationship. Let's put it that way. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and by sometimes I mean all the time. Obviously, because I'm sitting here talking to you. Uh, <laughs> it turns out he really does use Tinder this way. He showed me his list of girls on a future date. Oh, yeah, and he got a date. We both used to live in Kansas City, and we connected over memories from there. Yeah, it really does have a very Or the cicadas, like the sound of the cicadas. <sighs> no other city right? has that. Uh, it's so I miss that so much. It's such a beautiful, beautiful sound. I have like a lot of memories that... Are, are tied to that sound, particularly like while tripping acid, but <laughs> <laughs> it can be pretty intense. Do you do a lot of tripping acid? Uh, not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's been about 10 years since I've done, actually, it's not true. I did, um, the first time in 10 years, I did a drug on New Year's Eve. So wow. I, uh, I did a Molly. I did half of a Molly. <laughs> Wow. Only because, only because Miley Cyrus told me to. <laughs> That's the thing to do. And I twerked. Ugh. You know how to twerk. I have no, I have, well, I haven't really tried. I'm afraid I'll end up in some viral video if I ever try twerking. He was raised by lesbians on a peacock farm. And as an adult, he organized massive raves with all the police and the drug dealers in cahoots with each other. That's how he raised the money he needed to move to New York City. I love stories like this, stories of people doing things I can't actually imagine myself being able to do. And I remember feeling incredibly relieved that he was starting to like me back. Here's my favorite rant of his from our talk. More complicated exchange. It's not an even exchange of just you seeing if both of us seeing if we want to sleep together. It's an exchange where I'm actually like taking something from that serves my professional purposes. Right, right. And that's what I was reacting to initially, which I apologize for because you're very pretty and you seem very smart. So I'm glad that whatever this, whatever this is, is happening. Uh, do, are you interested in, in my reaction to the um, sort of the, the terms of the experiment, for lack of a better term, better ter- uh, whatever term? Yeah. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of this episode of Sex in the City. <laughs> And it's, it's, <laughs> they do it's, call <laughs> me the Carrie Bradshaw radio, so no, they don't. Yeah, no one well, has ever said that, by the way. <laughs> uh, so in this one episode, she there's a really great line about how she says something like, "The in a city where the options are endless, you only have one option, and that's to be alone." And what that reminded me of what your economist said, um, you know, when you have when your selection is so wide. You can you can set up an infinite if your selection is infinite. Which I mean, I live in the flight path of LaGuardia. I see people coming to New York City every single day, flying over my house. The city is constantly filling; it's like ebbing and flowing with people. There's a constant stream like flowing through this city, and you can literally date an infinite number of people theoretically, and, and, and to at least a perceivably infinite number of people. You know, I'm an old-fashioned guy. Like, I was, I was raised by feminist lesbians, and, you know, that said, like, I was raised to be old-fashioned. Like, you tra- treat a girl right, 
you take her out, you know, and um, that's gotten me into a lot of trouble. Like just even just taking a girl out for dinner. Um, has, because they want you to be a little mean to them. Because they want you to seem disinterested. Well, I mean, I've already kind of got that down to begin with, but <laughs> that's how you get the dinner in the first place. But uh, no, it's it's more like um, I, I like going out to dinner. And I like going out on dates and I'll take a girl out to dinner because that's what you're supposed to do as a guy. That's how you're supposed to treat a woman. Um, and then next thing I know, she's like telling her friends that she's got a boyfriend. And it's like, well, you took me out to dinner. I'm like, no, that's just, I just was spending time with you. It's like, like I didn't, we never talked about our relationship. I just took you out to dinner. But that's my old fashioned sort of Kansas City perception. Anyway, the point of that is when I moved to New York City, I moved in with these two guys um, super, super nice guys. We're still, you know, Facebook friends or whatever. Uh, and they are, they, at that time, uh, 10 years ago, uh, are, are my age now. They're like, they were 35 at that time and I'm 35 now. And I, and they would be talking about dating and like all, you know, different girls and like how complicated it is. And I remember very clearly thinking, fuck, if I'm in that position when I'm their age, fucking shoot me. Like, if I'm not married and, like, settled down and got my shit figured out, I want to be dead. And here I am doing exactly what they were doing. And I think that's because you have – it's too easy just to be – just to go from one person to the next, and there's always someone else there. It's like it's – you know, my in my career – Anybody who, any day, anytime I'm having a bad job, I'm a freelance producer. Anytime I'm having a, a bad day, if I'm unhappy with my situation, fucking get happy because there's 10 people behind me who will be happy to take this position. Like when you're in a relationship and if you're unhappy with your partner, there's 10 other people, you know, waiting to take that position and vice versa for you. So I think that it's just, there's so much saturation, so much market saturation, saturation as the economist would put it, that you never are motivated to make things work. It's always easier just to switch. And that's why in a city where the options are endless, the only option is to be alone. See how I brought that around? Like a proper writer? I did end up going on a date with this guy to a wine bar in my neighborhood because he said he was in the mood for some red wine action, heart healthy. After our Skype date ended, I made up my mind that he was wrong for me, though. The tattoos, the Williamsburg studio, the second MFA. I wish I could say I saw his game, and I ended things right then. Instead, I saw through the game. I played along with the game, and I asked him a million questions about the game. As my friend Jenna says, the sweetest freaks are raised by lesbians. I still think of him as one of the most interesting and complicated guys I've met in this city. With the third date, I knew we were wrong for each other from the start. Hey, it's Andrea from the internet. Yeah. I thought you meant to come on. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm okay. Um, my voice is not uh, 100% as I'm, I'm finding out right now. But uh, <laughs> That's fine. That's not what it's so, about. It's not about your voice. 
It's not like getting to know you or whatever. I know, but I, I, uh, I like to, I like to, um, be in full throttle, full voice, but some other time, I'm sure I will be, so. Cool. So. So Tinder's weird, huh? What's that? Um, why'd you start using Tinder? What that full throttle voice thing keeps coming up. And it turns out he's heard my radio show. And he's disappointed that I don't sound as good over Skype as I do on professional microphones. I'm pretty sure that this isn't going to happen. But I ask him one last question. That same question that won me over with the first two guys. How, like, do you actively date? Like, why are you dating? What are you looking for? Do I actively date? Um, I try. I mean... <laughs> like, but like, why like, do you do it? Like, <laughs> um, why do I seek out women? I mean, something in my chemistry? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're asking. I'm asking, like, what are you looking for right now at this stage in your life? Like, what type of relationship or... Um, what is us getting coffee or a drink about if we decide to do that for you? Well, I try not to think too far beyond the, the moment or the day. But, um, ideally, I guess, <laughs> again, I don't look, try to look too far in the future, but, um, I guess I would say I'm looking for a girlfriend. Is that... That was so hard for you to say. That was, like, the hardest thing I've ever heard <laughs> someone have to say. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I think maybe because... I wasn't sure exactly what you're asking, and I thought maybe it was, if not completely obvious, um, like an expected answer. So, are, are you just trying to rule out people who are just looking for one night stands, or people who want to get married within the year, or? Yeah, I think some everyone's looking for something different when they decide to yeah. have a drink with someone. And some people are looking mm -hmm. for a hookup, and some people are looking to see if they can meet, like, a life partner. And I think those are totally different kinds of interests that people can have. And I think we're never, yeah. we never talk about it. And right. I think by leaving it unsaid, right. it opens women up to a lot of ambiguity yeah. that can be really hurtful. So I... I like yeah, to try to I get people like, to put out yeah. an intention and it's not like I'm asking to be your girlfriend if we have coffee. It's not like I'll like trick you into yeah. it. It's like we're going to have fun or we're not going to have fun and then we'll figure it out. But I just need to know yeah. if you take dating seriously or not before I think it's the thing that I want to do with you. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So. I just think that like, mm -hmm. like if we're looking for a job... 
I, then you say, I want a job yeah. as a as a social media expert, and you write your resume, and you do your right. cover letter, and you fill out your LinkedIn profile, and you tell everyone in your life you want to be yeah, a social right, media sure. manager. But it's like when we date, we don't put it out there if we want to actually meet someone to seriously date or not. So I think it's important to start asking. It was kind of unexpected. I'm not usually asked, asked that like before I know someone. So I think I saw some statistic on the Internet the other day, which is like 39% of Americans are wondering whether this is a date. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, that is, is this that is this a date moment? Yeah, it's right. Kind of, it's it's, I'm, I'm over it. Thing, right? I'm you're, over you're it. You're over it? Okay, yeah. So it's, I'm so over it's always asking a date it. Or, or you just don't worry about it? Okay, okay. No, <laughs> so I... you have asked it? Or, yeah, or, I'm not asking it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, okay. like, done with that. Yeah, if it's good. not a date, I'm not... Okay. I have lots of friends, and I'm doing fine for friends. Oh, I would like right, someone to have right. a sex See, lift life with, and I would like someone to spend, right. like help me. Wa- like, I, I just, yeah, I'm looking to meet someone, and I'm not embarrassed about it right. anymore. Right. Okay, I can't deal with this anymore. I know why I'm doing this. It's at the tip of my tongue all the time, while also being one of the hardest things for me to try to explain here. I have a best friend, and after I met her in my late 20s, my life became better in a way that I can't quantify. The world feels smaller and safer because she gets me. I've always dated, but at some point I went through the realization that I want to meet another life-enhancing best friend, like Casey, and dating changed. That doesn't mean I'm going to start signing up for a dance class or settle down with the first guy who lets me call him boyfriend. For me, it means I'm learning to ask guys, is this a date? It means putting time into dating like you would any other goal. And it means I end things when I realize they're wrong for me and I use grown-up words to do that. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop accidentally sleeping with guys on the first date or making bad decisions. It just means I'm trying. The economist said I need a better filter, and he's right. Even though I liked the Skype dates, and I'll probably do it again, everybody said yes to the Skyping. It wasn't a filter. The better filter, I learned, is a willingness to call this a date and explain to me what dating means to you. Why do you do it? No one gets a job or buys a house by just getting drinks and seeing where it leads. In the end, Planet Money cut this entire story because the economic lesson was too thin. And they're right. Once I started getting real guys and real hearts involved in this mess, economics was the last thing on my mind. The lessons were more personal. I learned that I can ask guys for anything, and they might do it. I learned that it's way easier to go on dates with someone you're not that into versus someone you like. And that guy I like, guy number one, we've been on three dates off Skype now, and he even got me a valentine. Well, it's actually a card that he got on sale at Target, intended for a grandfather to give to his grandson on Valentine's Day. And it comes with stickers inside. He said they were sold out, 
of age-appropriate and relationship-status-appropriate cards, so he got me this one. I wasn't on NPR. But guys, I have some really cool stickers now, and I'm going to put them on everything. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Next Wednesday, February 26th, will be the first of two live shows as part of the WFMU Marathon. It only happens once a year. I'll be playing you special clips from my night out at Bubba Gump Shrimp in Times Square with Randy and then offering the rest as a special Marathon Bag podcast. The week after that, Wednesday, March 5th, I'll be joined for my second marathon show by Randy. He'll be taking your calls. That's right. He's coming to our lonely hippie den in Jersey City and will be helping out in the phone room. So there's a lot to look forward to. Special thanks this week to the folks at Planet Money, Tim Harford, author of The Undercover Economist Strikes Back, my three dates, and my latest iTunes reviewer, Angie Lee B., who says she's hooked. That's great. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online, WFMU.org. 